everyone. Welcome to our monthly Bright Focus Chats presented by the Bright Focus Foundation. My name is Guy Eakin. I'm a former researcher and I now work for the Bright Focus Foundation as their Vice President of Scientific Affairs. Today we're going to talk about detecting the early signs of macular degeneration. And what I think is interesting about this question is that it also speaks to how we monitor that disease over time. So it's not just about the people who don't have the disease yet, it's also about the people who, who are working with the disease and understanding it in their life. So if you'd like to submit a question at any time during today's call, please press star 3 to submit your question to an operator. If for some reason you're disconnected from the call, here's the number to call back. It's 877-229-8493. So that's 877-229-8493. And you'll need an ID code to punch in, and that's 112435. 112-435. Our guest today is Dr. Jackie Duncan, an ophthalmologist at the University of California, San Francisco. Francisco Medical Center, and she specializes in treating retinal degenerations, such as age-related macular degeneration. She's a professor of clinical ophthalmology at the university and is researching treatments to preserve vision and devices to monitor and stimulate visual perception. Dr. Duncan, I have to say I, I've worked with you before, you know, as a grantee of the of the Bright Focus Foundation, and so I I, I enjoy being able to invite you in as a guest and as a friend. But uh, could you take a few few words uh, and give us a give us a few moments to talk about your specialty and the type of practice you run at at the university? Sure. Well, it's a real privilege to be able to speak with uh, constituents of the Bright Focus Foundation, who, as you mentioned, has been a very generous supporter of my research. Uh, and so I'm really honored to be here today. As Guy mentioned, I am an ophthalmologist or an eye doctor, um, an MD that is trained to take care of patients with eye problems. My particular area of expertise is in diseases of the retina. I'm very interested in age-related macular degeneration, um, as well as other diseases caused by genetic changes, which cause the vision cells to disappear and die over time with ultimate vision loss. Uh, these have been sort of challenging diseases to tackle from a very basic and fundamental standpoint over many years, and I think that um, research funding through Bright Focus and other sources has really helped us better understand how the diseases happen in the first place and develop at their very earliest stages, um, which brings us to the topic of a call today, um, but then subsequently to go on and uh, later down the road cause vision problems for people um, in a number of different ways. Um, so I find that a very rewarding part of my job is I'm able to not only see patients who are affected with these diseases, but also work with very smart scientists to try and better understand how the vision, how the diseases cause vision loss um, with the goal of preventing um, vision loss and helping to restore vision to patients who develop these diseases um, down the road. So that's been a really exciting part of my job. I see patients once a week and teach uh, medical students about one day a week week and do research the rest of the time here at UCSF. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of that really busy schedule to join mm -hmm. us today. So we, uh, I have some questions as we get into that idea of, of detecting and monitoring macular degeneration. 
So we hear stories at the at the Bright Focus Foundation about people who have AMD and maybe they have another condition. And so, you know, we did some calculations last year that said probably one in 25 people over the age of 50 have macular degeneration or glaucoma, which is another disease we specialize in, or they might have both diseases. And I, I'm curious, like, how do these diseases complicate each other? And if I came to you with an uncorrected cataract or glaucoma, does that make AMD harder to diagnose? Those are absolutely terrific questions. So, yes, all to those uh, yes to all those questions. Um, age-related macular degeneration and cataract and glaucoma are all all share in common the fact that they increase in prevalence as people live longer. So the older people get, the more likely they are to have any of those diseases and therefore also to have more than one of them at a time. Certainly with cataract, which is cloudiness of the lens, um, having a cataract can make it harder for a doctor to see the or to diagnose macular degeneration sometimes because sometimes the cloudy lens not only prevents the patient from seeing as clearly as they would if the lens were clear, but also makes it harder for the doctor to look in and see the features that let us know a patient has macular degeneration. Um, there have been a lot of advances in diagnostic tools over the last several years that allow us to see the retina even when cataracts are present. Um, and these involve special kinds of pictures of the eye that we can take where we can identify features that let us know a patient has macular degeneration even when our view in is not perfectly clear because of a cataract or other problems. Um, in terms of glaucoma, glaucoma is a special disease and it's uh, similar to macular degeneration in that it is associated with death of neurons or brain cells that take the message from the eye to the brain. And so uh, like macular degeneration, which causes vision loss when the primary neurons that sense the light die, when glaucoma cells die, uh, when glaucoma causes cells to die in the eye, similarly vision can be lost because the message doesn't get communicated to the brain properly. So it is true that some patients both have macular degeneration and glaucoma, um, and they sometimes cause vision loss in different ways. Macular degeneration tends to cause central vision loss, whereas glaucoma sometimes causes vision loss, loss off to the side that patients are not always aware of um, until the glaucoma has, has progressed um, to a relatively late stage of disease. So one thing that these two diseases share in common is that they both affect older people. Another thing that they share in common is that they are best identified by an examination with your eye doctor because sometimes they're kind of hard to know whether they, but until they have advanced to a relative or progressed to a relatively advanced stage, they may not cause symptoms that the patient is is aware of. So that's really interesting. And from my from my standpoint, we certainly in many in many areas of of medicine hear about the difficulty that that patients have in getting a diagnosis for a for a complicated disease. And I guess I'd be interested. You've talked about the increases in technology, and you know, we you've talked about some of the the prevalence of the disease, how many people, and how common this this macular degeneration is. So, for for a retinal specialist such as yourself, when you when you give a diagnosis of macular degeneration, how sure is a patient? Can I can I feel that 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 that's probably the best the best diagnosis? You know how. So how common are the diseases that might be mistaken for macular degeneration? 
Oh, those are also great questions. So age-related macular degeneration is the leading cause of irreversible blindness among people over the age of 50 in the United States. So it is absolutely a disease that every ophthalmologist uh, knows how to recognize and is trained um, to take care of. So when a doctor identifies signs of macular degeneration in a patient's eye, there's a very strong chance that that is the correct diagnosis because it's a very common condition and it has hallmark features that when present are almost always associated with macular degeneration. The other types of diseases that can cause, that might be confused for macular degeneration are far, far less common. Um, some of them uh, affect, tend to affect younger people, um, but then sometimes if they do affect older people might be uh, mistaken for age-related macular degeneration. Other times, uh, diseases that are associated with particular medications people might have been taking could be confused with age-related macular degeneration or could complicate the progression of macular degeneration. Um, and then there, you know, most of the time when it's not macular degeneration, it's a patient who's much younger and has features that look like macular degeneration, and that's often caused by, those are very uncommon occurrences, but when that happens, that's caused by a hereditary mutation um, in a disease that, or in a gene that causes disease that runs in families. So that, that tends to be a situation where a patient who is younger than 50 has features that look kind of like macular degeneration, and so that's a rarer cause of macular degeneration, but tends to affect younger people. Yeah, I have to say, we just uh, I just pulled up the statistics, and that if you're if you're asking about macular degeneration, you know, we the research we've read says that maybe as many people as 11 million people have some signs of macular degeneration. What's amazing to me is that when we talk about how common a disease it is, that's about the same number of people as have cancer mm-hmm. and or, or have had cancer at some point in their life and is now in remission. And so it's, a, it's certainly, you know, cancer is something that's on the tip of everyone's tongue. We all know about macular degeneration. Uh, maybe we have some work to do to to raise awareness about that disease. But we're going to thank you for those answers. Let, let's move on to some questions from our callers. So if you if you want to submit a question, you didn't didn't get a chance to do so yet. Just dial star three, and what will happen is you'll you'll be taken out of the call to talk to an operator who will take down your question, and then we'll add your question to the queue. And so we'll try to answer as many questions as we can uh, that are representative of the caller's interest on the topic. And after that, after the chat that we have, you know, you can always call Bright Focus at 1-800-437-2423 or visit our website at brightfocus.org to have other questions answered. Uh, we cover low vision. Uh, we cover, as we mentioned earlier, glaucoma. And uh, and we have a, some very skilled health educators who'd be happy to happy to help you. So let's take the first question. Who's from? Who actually we have two questions that are that are similar, and we have uh, one from a man named Norman and one from a woman named Linnell from Colorado, and they're asking not about what the physician or the uh, eye care provider does, but at home. How do we how do we diagnose macular degeneration? So, what are those early symptoms that you should be aware of that might signal macular degeneration? Great question. So, again, macular degeneration um, has gotten to a point in um, our understanding of the disease that 
we are best able to treat complications that might cause vision loss when they are detected at early stages. So this is a very important question such that um, when people might be developing the very earliest signs or symptoms of disease, the people are aware that they should go see an eye doctor. Um, so the things to do, the other, but the other point to make is there was a study funded by the National Eye Institute uh, about a decade ago called the Age-Related Eye Disease Study that suggested that people with early signs of macular degeneration benefit from taking vitamins, including um, vitamin E and vitamin C and beta-carotene and zinc. And at the conclusion of that study, it was recommended actually by the director of the National Eye Institute that everyone over the age of 50 should have a checkup, have an eye exam, because the very earliest stages of macular degeneration don't cause any symptoms. And people might benefit from taking vitamins even before they have any symptoms at all. So it is worth having an, a complete eye examination where the doctor looks at your retina to see if there are any early, early signs that might you might not be aware of even at all. Um, however, once you have been diagnosed with macular degeneration, or if you're wondering, you know, if you are, are starting to uh, think you might have macular degeneration, then the people that are at risk for that disease are people who might have had other family members with macular degeneration, um, people over the age of 65, um, people who smoke or used to smoke are at increased risk, um, and people who have sort of light-colored eyes are at particularly great risk of macular degeneration. So there is a test that can be done at home to help you monitor your vision, and this can be found on the Bright Focus Foundation website, um, which is a test called the Amsler Grid. And if you go to see an eye doctor and the doctor sees signs of macular degeneration in your eye, oftentimes the doctor will send you home with a little piece of paper or a little magnet that goes on your refrigerator that looks like a checkerboard, but it's all it doesn't have any black and white squares. It's all just a grid of black lines, usually on a white background, or sometimes white lines on a black background with a dot in the middle of the square. Um, that's called an Ampler grid. And that test is used by having the people look with one eye at a time, cover one eye and look with one eye at the dot in the middle. And by looking at the dot in the middle, people should see straight lines in a grid pattern going back and forth and up and down. If at any point they look at the grid and they see that the lines are missing or bent or distorted, those are some signs that the macular degeneration might be changing or that you might be developing macular degeneration. And if you do observe any of those changes, it's very important to contact your eye doctor, let the doctor know you're seeing changes, um, and the doctor will want to see you within the next day or so. You would then also do the same thing on the other eye, one eye at a time. Be sure to cover one eye because sometimes people will have vision loss in one eye and not even realize it because the other eye is, is compensating. So that's a, a good at-home test um, that either your doctor can provide to you or you can download right now um, from the Bright Focus website. I'm, I'm looking at the link right now so you can download it and there's some instructions um, about what it's used for there on the website as well. Great. Well, we, um, we actually had another question quite similar from Donna from South Carolina, so I hope, I, I hope that response addressed your question as well, Donna. Uh, Mary from Illinois is writing in, and this is a, this is a little bit different, but it, it relates to diagnosis. And so she was diagnosed with a posterior vitreous detachment, and so mm -hmm. that's, that, that, that's a complicated word, but what, what does that mean, and, and what should she do about that? Okay, well, a, vitre a posterior vitreous detachment, 
management um, simply means it is a little complicated, but what it indicates is that uh, uh, the following. Uh, everyone's eye has jelly inside of it that fills up the substance of the eye that is present when we're born. It sits behind the lens, behind the front of the eye, um, and it fills the eye. Um, when we're born, that vitreous jelly, the jelly is called vitreous, when we're born, that jelly is connected to the retina uh, in a lot of locations, and it's all kind of connected to the back surface of the eye. As we get older, the jelly becomes a little bit less like jello and a little bit more like marmalade in that it starts to be a little more, um, sort of separates into different components. And sometimes people will notice little dots floating around or little strands or squiggles that move when they try to look at them by moving their eyes around. Um, at some point, the strands and spots separate enough from the watery part that the whole jelly becomes detached from the back surface of the eye. And when that occurs, that's called a posterior vitreous detachment. Posterior meaning back of the eye, detachment meaning that's what it's pulled away from, and vitreous meaning the jelly. So that happens to everybody at some point in their life. It happens earlier to people who are nearsighted or who might have had an injury to their eye or surgery on their eye, but it happens to everybody at some point. Most of the time, it doesn't cause any problems at all. It's sort of a natural part of aging. However, once in a while, when that jelly pulls away from the back of the eye, it will take with it a little piece of the retina and cause what we call a retinal tear. That is sometimes accompanied by a perception of a, little, a bunch of little spots or floaters, an increase in the number of floaters, a dramatic increase, like a whole burst of them. It will also sometimes cause people to see flashing lights like fireworks going off in one of their eyes. And so, finally, it may cause some difficulty with side vision. So if people notice a dramatic increase in the number of floaters that they see floating around when they try to move their eye to look at them, a new perception of flashing lights like fireworks going off in their eye or side vision loss, it's very important to see an eye doctor to have an examination, especially very complete examination of the retina to make sure that when that jelly came loose from the back of the eye, it did not cause a retinal tear because um, a retinal tear could put you at risk for problems and vision loss. But if it's identified very early, it can be treated with laser such that further vision problems are prevented. Well, that's great. And so this this idea of when do we come into when do we come in to seek a professional's guidance uh, came up again with a question from a woman named Cynthia from Tennessee, who's asking, how does one know when when your macular degeneration is changing from dry mm -hmm. to wet? So maybe if I could, if Cynthia, if you give me the permission to bend the question just a little bit, uh, Jackie, could you could you walk us through the various stages and what are the what are the things that I might notice that would prompt me to seek medical medical attention from you? You know, maybe earlier than what had been my next scheduled visit. Great question. So. The first stages, the earliest stages of macular degeneration are characterized by little deposits under the retina that are known to medical professionals as drusen. So if we see these little bumps under the retina called drusen, then we would be confident that most of the time that a person had macular degeneration. Certainly in someone over the age of 50 when we see drusen, we are confident that that is the right diagnosis. Initially, drusen don't necessarily cause any vision problems at all or even any symptoms. 
However, sometimes over time, if the, as the disease progresses, the drusen can get larger and there can be more of them. Sometimes they can join together to form larger collections of deposits. And when that happens, sometimes people will perceive changes in their vision. Either they will notice distortion, um, such as straight lines appearing curved, which is where the Ampsler grid becomes a very handy tool because it provides you with a very set uh, collection of lines that you can look at. And if you notice a change in those, that could indicate that the macular degeneration is changing as well. Um, other things that can happen when those drusen get more numerous and come together and coalesce, we call it coalesce, that just means they group together and clump together sometimes, they can either um, cause distortion in the vision all by themselves, or they can sometimes cause the cells that overlie them, the cells that live next to them, which are the vision cells responsible for helping us to see, to disappear and die. Um, and when that happens, sometimes people will notice an area on the Ampsler grid where the lines are not present. They will see a break in the lines or the lines may be missing. Sometimes when this uh, progresses to a more advanced stage, people will perceive, uh, they'll be able to read a lot of letters on the chart, but they may have patches in their vision where they don't see very well, like holes like Swiss cheese that make it very hard for them to read because they can see letters, but then there are gaps in their vision. That sometimes happens when the macular degeneration is still in a dry stage, but has caused some death of the vision cells. And we call that a condition known as geographic atrophy. So that's the dry, advanced stage of macular degeneration. Sometimes people don't develop that, but instead the little bumps or deposits or drusen cause irritation to the underlying tissues such that new blood vessels grow under the retina. When the new blood vessels develop under the retina, uh, that's known as the wet form of macular degeneration. Uh, and we have pretty effective treatments for that form of the disease if they are given relatively early in the, in the disease progress. But similarly, that when the new blood vessels grow, often the patient will notice distortion, like we were talking about before, or uh, blots in the, in the grid where they just don't see very well. There can be areas where the lines are no longer straight and clear, but instead are distorted, missing, or blurry. So if you ever notice changes in your vision in one eye, or both eyes, but certainly testing one eye at a time in that Ampsler grid, it's worth contacting your doctor because your doctor can take a look at your eyes and take some special pictures to know whether you have drusen, whether you have drusen that are collecting together, whether you have drusen that are collecting together and causing death of the overlying cells or geographic atrophy, or whether you have drusen that have caused the, the birth or development of the growth of new blood vessels under the retina. And when those new blood vessels grow, the doctor may recommend a treatment to make the blood vessels shrink and go away and not cause as much vision loss as uh, they might otherwise without treatment. Well, thank you. So there's a there's an amazing amount of things happening inside the eye, but you know certainly any you were, you, your take home there was that any changes if you start seeing distortion that wasn't there before, or blotches or missing patches, and especially if you're testing one eye at a time and you're seeing those, then then that that's your cue to to go see to to go see Dr. Duncan or or, <laughs> Absolutely. or, or your lowest uh, or your nearest eye care professional. Right. Uh, so I hope that I hope that helps you, Cynthia.
Um, You know, one of the things that you talked about, the doctor spends a lot of time looking in the eye. And one of the things that amazes me is that there's many diseases that you would think have nothing to do with the eye, but are actually visible through the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could you could you speak to that and tell us like what when a doctor's sitting there looking in your eye, wh- how is it that they can see what might be what might be happening with your liver or or, <laughs> or, or other areas of the body? Right. Well, some people say that the eye is a window to the soul, and in some ways that's true. Um, the eye, because it enables us to see by its very design, is a clear structure, and it gives the doctor an opportunity to see what's happening inside your body in a very nice way without having to take any special pictures or do surgery or anything else. We can just look right in and see a lot of manifestations of different problems that can affect the rest of the body. So uh, an Uh, An obvious one is diabetes. So people with diabetes often have um, very few symptoms sometimes, very few uh, clear uh, indications that they have had any problems from their diabetes. But because the eye is so readily accessible and so easy for us to examine, sometimes the earliest changes that are complications of diabetes can be seen by a doctor looking in the eye. Um, Other things, lots of different medical uh, conditions and different medications that people take can cause features that we can see when we look in the eye. So for patients who are treated with medicines to reduce inflammation in their body, like steroid medications, which are used to treat a number of different diseases, those medications can sometimes cause the lens to not be clear anymore or cataract to develop, and they can sometimes cause glaucoma, which I know is another disease that the Bright Focus Foundation is interested in understanding better. So if patients are treated with steroids for long periods of time, oftentimes their doctors will recommend that they get an eye examination to make sure that they're not developing either cataracts or glaucoma, which they might not even be aware of. Um, Other medications that sometimes affect the retina are also treated used to treat inflammatory diseases like uh, Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine is a medicine used to treat arthritis. That can sometimes cause changes in the retina um, that can sometimes look a little bit like the dry form of macular degeneration. So truly there are a very large number of medical conditions that cause things that we can see in the eye, sometimes even earlier than other places. Um, And so it becomes a very important part of a complete physical exam sometimes for certain diseases Um, because it helps the doctors to better understand what's going on when the eyes are so easy to examine um, in the clinic. Okay. Well, thanks so much. So um, let's go to another question. We have a a woman named Mary from Oregon asking uh, asking a more therapeutic question and asking about dry macular degeneration, whether there's any new treatments that might be similar to treatments for wet macular degeneration. That is a... a, Good. Oh, I was just saying, what do we have for dry these days, and what, what what's on the horizon? Terrific questions. The, so dry macular degeneration is really a very air, active area of research. Um, we have, as as the caller or questioner um, correctly stated, we have developed treatments that are very effective for the wet form of macular degeneration, um, and they have been really a huge advance, represented a huge advance in ophthalmology because for a disease that used to cause vision loss almost 100% of the time, now we have treatments that can slow that vision loss and reduce the chances that people will lose their vision at all when people develop blood vessels under the eye. Um, in that 
situation, there are vessels that we can tr- we can tackle with a particular medicine or protein that inter- that causes the vessels to form. So that's sort of a very active area of um, treatment that has been incredibly successful. Um, our success in that field has led people to try and address the more challenging problem of vision loss caused by dry macular degeneration. When vision is lost without new blood vessels growing for people with macular degeneration, the belief is that the way that happens is the deposits that live under the retina, the drusen, cause the vision cells that lie on top of them or right next to them to die. And it isn't entirely clear why that happens. Some people think it's because there are the deposits prevent them from getting as much blood and oxygen as they need to from their blood supply. Other people think that there's something kind of harmful within those deposits that hurts the, the vision cells and causes them to die. Um, there's a lot of different uh, possible explanations for why it happens, and that is a very active area of research um, in a lot of basic science and translational research labs across the country. Um, if we better understood why the vision cells had to die, we would probably be better at developing treatments to prevent them, prevent vision loss from occurring in the dry form of macular degeneration. Some of the strategies that, again, are not FDA-approved or available in the clinic right now, but which are being studied as possible treatments in the future on a research basis, include treatments to reduce the accumulation of these deposits, treatments to uh, prevent the cells from dying, either just by keeping neuronal cells like vision cells alive longer or by um, interfering with their death by interacting with proteins that are necessary to cause them to die. And then finally, an important area of research is trying to restore vision that has already been lost. So once the vision cells have gone away, it might be possible to bring back some of that vision if you could put new cells in to replace them. And this is being investigated in a couple of ways. One is by trying to put new cells that live under the retina, called RPE cells, in locations where the vision cells have gone away. That's one thing that's in clinical trials right now. Um, Other things that are a little further off on the horizon would be therapies that might allow us to replace the vision cells that have gone away, um, either by putting new vision cells in there or causing some of the cells that haven't gone away that still live within the retina to turn into vision cells um, or become light sensitive through a field known as optogenetics. So there's an incredibly large amount of research being done in this field right now, and it's a very exciting time for uh, our, to increase our understanding of this disease. Um, right now, we are still at a stage where we don't have treatments that have been shown to be safe and effective in slowing down that vision loss, except for vitamin supplements, which are likely to reduce the chances that the vision will be lost in the first place. I mentioned those a little earlier. Um, but it's certainly an incredibly active area of research that I think is going to yield very exciting uh, treatments in the next several years. So the, um, uh, you know, the operative word here is the, is the necessity for the research that's, that's coming along. And certainly I know that for the Bright Focus Foundation, we have a significant portion of our portfolio that goes directly to this dry macular degeneration uh, understanding and treatment. 
But for what we have right now, for the colors on the line that might be experiencing dry macular degeneration, we we have the vitamin supplementation. So, you know, what what should they be looking for when they go through their you know go through their pharmacy picking out the vitamins that claim to help vision? What what would you ask that people look for on the label? Well, okay, so this is a little bit of a complicated question. If people, so we mentioned earlier that people with macular degeneration who smoke have an increased risk of vision loss and an increased risk of macular degeneration. So for people who smoke, the first and most important thing they can do is to stop smoking, okay? That's that's an important take-home message. Um, however, even after they stop smoking, some of the vitamins that have been shown to be helpful in slowing down macular degeneration or reducing the risk of vision loss for macular degeneration might be harmful to people not only who are still smoking or who even have smoked in the past. So people who, in general, people should look for vitamin pills that say they have the vitamins that, that were studied in the ARED study, which is A for age, R for related, E for eye, D for disease, and S for study, ARIDS, age-related eye disease study. That was the study that found out um, vitamin supplements reduce the chance of vision loss and uh, slow down the rate of progression. Um, So that's the first step. Everyone should look for those vitamins. However, people who smoke or who used to smoke should look for a smoker's formulation of those vitamins. It has been found that the beta-carotene in the vitamins that were studied in that age-related eye disease study might be harmful to people who smoke or who used to smoke. So there's another version of those supplements for smokers that uses a related vitamin called lutein um, instead of beta-carotene. So it's kind of a long answer. You have to be a little bit discriminating when you're looking at vitamins um, and to make sure that you're going to get ones that that have been shown to be helpful um, in slowing down the rate of vision loss. And it's a little, depends a little bit on what kind of person you are. So if you're someone who used to smoke, you want to be sure to take the ones that are not going to cause you additional harm because of um, high doses of beta-carotene in them. If you're not someone who used to smoke, then you should take the regular age-related eye disease study vitamin cocktail because that was the thing that was shown to be most helpful um, in reducing the rate of vision loss. Okay, so for those, you know, for those questions that have a lot of detail that are either long or have some have some hard words, I do want to remind people we'll have a transcript and also our audio files available for you. If you call into the foundation at 1-800-437-2423 or visit brightfocus.org, give us a give us a week or two and we'll have the transcript and the audio file up. But we do have people on staff who'd be more than happy to more than happy to um, you know to repeat some of the information that came across here if you missed it the first time around. Just as an operational thing, I do want to remind people that if you want to ask a question, you need to hit that star on your telephone before you hit the number three, and that, that'll get you to someone who can take down your question for you. So let's, um, let's move. We have Audrey from Ohio is asking that she's, she's had dry macular degeneration for about 20 years, and it's turned wet in one eye, and subsequently she had cataracts removed, and for a while everything was pretty clear, and then all of a sudden the eyesight became foggy. Um, you know, that, that may be a, a hard question, but is there any help or information you could, you could give Audrey about this? Well, I would recommend that Audrey see her eye doctor because there's a couple of reasons why vision can become cloudy after successful cataract surgery in patients with macular degeneration. The 
loss of vision after successful cataract surgery could be as simple as a little scar tissue forming behind the place where the new artificial lens was put. So it's something called uh, posterior capsular opacification. So when they take the cataract out, they put a new lens in place of the cataract, in a, and they put it in a little bag that the eye that used to contain the original lens. That sometimes gets cloudy, and that can be very easily diagnosed by your eye doctor and treated with a laser that might restore some of the clarity that you experienced right after the cataract surgery. Another possibility is that the macular degeneration has gotten worse. Certainly, if you have the wet form of macular degeneration and you've been told that you have the wet form, it's still and perhaps even more important to use that ampler grid because at any time, whether or not you've had cataract surgery, you still have a chance of having those blood vessels grow under the retina and require additional treatment. So I would look at the Ampsler grid to see if there have been any new changes, and I would ask your doctor to take a look because it may be something very easy to treat, such as a laser to the um, new lens that was placed, or it may be that you need treatment for the wet form of macular degeneration. And both of those things are, are easy to treat if you see your doctor. Um, so I would suggest going to just get a checkup and make sure that exactly what the cause of your new cloudy vision may be. Okay, it looks like we probably have time for, for one more question here. We, uh, we have a, a question that Al is asking, once a person is diagnosed with macular degeneration, what resources do you recommend to help, help the person cope with the condition? And I guess I'd, I'd include in that, so, you know, um, support group, low vision, what, what do you recommend to people? Yeah, well, that's another great question. So there's a lot of information on the Bright Focus website that I think is really helpful. So for starters, I would visit the website because there's a lot of very helpful, very useful information there. Um, But I also think that, um, as you mentioned, I think it's very important for people who are recently diagnosed or who are going through changes in their vision as a consequence of macular degeneration, um, I recommend that they be referred to a low vision specialist if if there is one in their area. A low vision specialist is an eye doctor who spends all his or her time working with people whose vision cannot be corrected to 20-20 or perfect for any number of reasons. And that specialist will spend time with you, you learning more about the challenges you're having, learning more about the visual needs that you have in your life, and will make you aware of strategies and adaptive technologies that will help you make the most of the vision that you have. Um, Also, I think support groups are really helpful. Sometimes there are um, groups that you can identify, maybe through Bright Focus. There are other foundations um, that can also connect you with other people who are coping with vision loss um, in your area. Sometimes the Lighthouse Foundation will have support groups specifically for people who are coping with macular degeneration. I also work with a therapist. There are a couple of counselors and therapists specifically trained to help people who are coping with vision loss. And sometimes that can be very helpful, just having a a trained professional who can answer your questions and listen to um, some of the challenges you're experiencing can be very useful in terms of um, just helping you cope with uh, these very sometimes new and frightening changes that can be going on um, as you're being given a new diagnosis or coping with changes in your vision as they occur. Well, thank you. It certainly is scary for many people, which is why we hope to have this this monthly chat series, is to get some of those questions addressed. 
that's the time that we have for for the uh, for the questions today. I really want to thank Dr. Duncan so much for taking that time to speak with us today, and certainly to all the callers who asked questions and all the people who 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 were out there listening. We will be, as I mentioned earlier, posting a recording and a transcript of the call on our website. That's brightfocus.org. And you can also listen and download the past chats through iTunes and SoundCloud. The next chat we're going to have is going to be on tips for protecting your vision. That will be Wednesday, July 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And we certainly encourage you to register or submit questions in advance. And we'll, we'll send you an email reminder if you registered on this call. We've talked about Amsler Grids today, um, you can call in uh, to that number again, 1-800-437-2423, or go to our website. For copies of Amsler Grids, we have, um, we, we have it in your favorite color, as long as your favorite color is white. <laughs> and, um, and you can also register for that uh, for that June or sorry July chat uh, right now. We would love to get your feedback on these chats um, by asking you one short question. If you participate in this call before, you probably know the drill, but you can use the the keypad on your telephone to rate the the, the chat that you just heard. And so we'd we'd appreciate if you press one if if you found this very helpful, and press two if you found it somewhat helpful, and press three for not helpful at all, you, we, we need to do something else. So that again is press one for very helpful, two for somewhat helpful, and three for, you know, we have some more work to do. While we're, while we're doing that, I, again, I want to thank Dr. Duncan, and we'll be closing out in just a second, but the, uh, these Bright Focus chats are held on a monthly basis. Find out more, just give us a call. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback, and if you'd like to leave a comment after the call, just stay on the line. Thanks from everyone. Everyone here at the Bright Focus Foundation, have a great day. We'll talk to you another time.